welcome to the 11th episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Luca DeLosta. And I'm Zach Green. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how our brackets are doing for March Madness, previewing the Final Four games, talking about the U.S. men's national team qualifying for the World Cup and some other teams, previewing what WrestleMania is this coming weekend, and ending off with our games of the week. Let's get into it. Okay, let's start with how our March Madness brackets have been doing. Now, mine has gone south ever since the first games. And with I, Iowa losing. Yeah, I, once Iowa was gone, Kentucky gone, I knew I was gone. That's two Final Four teams of mine that were gone. Gonzaga lost, that's three. And then once Arizona lost, it was just in the bin. But talk about yours, because I don't have much to say about mine. Well, for me... Like you said, I had Gonzaga winning, and they lost. But two teams that also really killed me, I had USC going to the Sweet 16, which I thought they would, but they lost to Miami. And then I also had Texas going pretty far, which a lot of people did, and they lost. So a lot of teams disappointed this year. A big thing to that could be St. Peter's. They destructed a lot of brackets, probably. Of course, beating Kentucky in the first round. But... I am second right now. I'm not going to win because I have zero points remaining. But our friend in the Tough Take Podcast Challenge, Zach Jackson, is still going very strong. He has two teams left. He has Nova and Kansas, which he has Nova going to the finals. So that will be a good game to watch as we preview in a minute. But, Luca, one more thing. Can we just appreciate what St. Peter's did and Doug Eater, what what they really did? Yes, and you said they crushed and broke a lot of brackets. And while everybody is disappointed that their brackets are destroyed, who doesn't love watching a Cinderella? We talked about it last time, St. Peter's, but they went so far. They were the only team, the first 15 seed, to go to an Elite Eight. They could have, they showed in the second half versus UNC that they could stick with them, but first half, they threw the game away. And now their coach, Cassine Hall, where he actually played and was he was a player when Cassine Hall was the best Cinderella team before St. Peter's. So great stuff happens there, and I'm excited to watch Cassine Hall next year. Here's what I like to say. Don't be sad it's over. Be glad it happened. And that's the perfect thing with St. Peter's. What a great run. All right, now let's kick it off with the Final Four preview. Let's start with the Villanova Wildcats and the Kansas Jayhawks. This will be an amazing game. My only issue and my only fear for Villanova is who will fill Justin Moore's shoes. Obviously, he went down with a torn Achilles at the final minutes of their Elite Eight game. But that's a big, those are big shoes to fill, especially how he's played this tournament. Let's talk about how he's played. He's averaging 14.8 points per game, which is the second most in his team. 4.8 rebounds per game and 2.3 assists per game. Shooting 35% from three and 75% from the line. But he's a part of this Wildcat team who has shot the best from the line in history. But Luca, let's talk about Colin Gillespie. Colin Gillespie, obviously, he hasn't played like we've seen Colin Gillespie play this entire season. And I think... He is due for a good game. Gillespie is coming off a rough game with 6 points, 5 rebounds, and only 1 assist. When he averaged 
15 points per game, four rebounds per game, three assists per game, shooting 41%. So I think they're going to lean on him a lot more, so don't be surprised to see him take a ton of shots this game. Let's talk about the senior forward, Jermaine Samuels, and what he means to this And Jermaine Samuels, another, him and Justin Moore, I think have been two of the most important players of this team in this run. Samuels, he is the big reason they won versus the Cougars, having 16 points, 10 rebounds. And this season, he averaged 11, 6.5, 1.5, along with just under a block and a steal. So he's getting it done both sides of the floor. But I want to ask you, will Caleb Daniels, their current six-man, probably arguably the best six-man in the country, will he fill Justin Moore's role in this game? I hope so, because one thing that Coach Wright does not do is go very deep into the bench. So, especially in close games like this with the Cougars, but with Moore out, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize their bench and who will step in there, like we just said. But one thing about this in the game, you have to go deep into your bench, because these guys, like we saw, Drew Timmy, he played most of, he played second half, second half, second half. He didn't sit out. So, when you talk about guys also getting into foul trouble, these big guys really come at assets because when you go back to Drew Timmy, Chad Holmgren, he got into foul trouble each game. So these big guys really have to step up. And if Nova's big man, Eric Dixon, get in, gets in foul trouble, they're in trouble because he is their tallest guy standing at only 6'10 or 6'8. And Nova doesn't have height. So if the, he gets in trouble, I have no clue who's gonna get on, who's gonna guard McCormick on the other side of the ball. All right, now let's move on to the Kansas Jayhawks, coming off one of the most dominant second half performances, outscoring Miami forty-seven to fifteen after trailing six going in the half. And that's what people have been saying is their offense is what has been outstanding for this Kansas team all year. They have lethal offensive players. Again, not the tallest team. They're Tallest players standing at 6'10", but they get it done offensively. And talk about senior guard Ochai Agbaji. He did what he did best all season, score. He had 18 points along with 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals. Let's talk about Christian Braun and what he means to the team. Christian Braun, an important asset to this team, I tell you. He's played an outstanding tournament, and he had a good game, in their last one, having 12.6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a block. And he's had himself a year. Great improvement this year from last year. I was looking at both stats. He improved his field goal percentage by 11%, his 3-point percentage by 6%, averaged 4 points per game more, and averaged 1.3 rebounds more. For somebody to be able to make that jump from junior to senior year and become one of the most important assets to this team is amazing to see. Talk about the depth they have with five players, Ojabi, Braun, Jalen Wilson, David McCormick, and Remy Martin, who often score in these games. And again, that goes back. This team is so lethal offensively. The fact that five people in this, uh, they have six players in this lineup who can give you 10 a night, it, it makes it, in college basketball, you look at the NBA, for example, you say 100 points plus can win you a game. In college basketball, 60 points can win you a game. I mean... Nova won a game scoring only 50, so if, if they can get their offense going, I don't see a single player on Nova stopping them. Let's talk about Kansas on-ball defense and paint defense with Dejon Wilson and Mitch Lightfoot. 
their best paint defender, Mitch Lightfoot. I was watching highlights of their team, and he is a, a menace in the paint. He was sending shots left and right, and he's averaging one block per game only, but I would not be surprised to see him get three or four, which he's able to do. And then their best on-ball defender, Dejon Wilson, averaging one and a half steals per game. And then Remy Martin also, I was watching him, I was like, he stands only six foot, so he's shorter, but he's quicker than most guys on the floor. He's more agile than most guys on the floor. So he can, one, on offensively take you to the rim, and two, defensively stick with very good guards. And I was just thinking about this. Let's say Kansas wins and UNC wins. That is a battle in the paint. Armando Baycott and Brady Manick on UNC. I mean, that would be a fun game to watch. Any game at this point. We see Duke go up against Kansas. That is one of the most talented teams in Duke versus Kansas, one of the best offensive teams. We see Villanova go there's there's no bad game anymore. There, I'm just going to say it. There's no bad game. What are your picks for this game, Luca? I was with Villanova before Justin Moore was out. But I, I just think Justin Moore has been too important to this team. And they don't go deep enough. They don't have a deep enough bench. I think Kansas will walk away with the win in this game. I have to disagree. I think Villanova is going to win. I think they're going to do it for him. I think they'll go deeper in their bench than they usually do. But I think it'll be a good game. I think Kansas will get out to early leads. And I think it'll be Villanova playing from behind mainly. But I think Villanova will rally in the end and get it done. My only fear is if this game, it obviously it probably will be a good game. But if it comes down to free throws, I, you can't bet against Villanova when it comes to free throws. Best shooting free throw shooting team in history. So you could have... If it comes down to that, you could have me here. But with that, let's move into the next one. Everybody's game of the week. Duke versus UNC. This is the first time these two heated rivals will face each other in the NCAA tournament. And it's for a spot at the championship. Let's start off with Duke's biggest player, Carlo Vonchero, who this season averaged 17 points per game, 7 rebounds per game, 3 assists per game, one steal per game, one block per game, and shot 33% from the three. A guy that can really do it all. He showed, and he won't be stopped by any team. I mean, Texas Tech, two games ago in the Sweet 16, they were one of the best defenses in the country, and he was able to record 22 points, four assists, four rebounds. And then versus Arkansas, he got 16 points, three assists, and seven rebounds. 6'10", 250 can do everything, and that's why he's a projected top three pick, possibly even the first pick in the draft. Let's talk about a projected top ten pick. A.J. Griffin, who's shooting an incredible 45% from the three to go along with 10.5 points per game and four rebounds per game. And I think his projected his draft pick will only go up from here. Let's talk about junior forward Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore averaging 13.5, 5, 4, along with one-and-a-half steals per game, shooting 41% from three, something common I've seen from this Duke team as well as again in this UNC team, is they like to shoot the ball, and they shoot it well from beyond the arc. Duke also has a lockdown perimeter defender in, in Moore, but also has a paint presence with Bonchero and Mark Williams. Let's talk about Williams. Stands at seven foot and averages three blocks per game. 
those are some NBA numbers. Three blocks per game. You're talking about a Nikola Jokic, Jared Allen type of player. Hakeem Olajuwon. Average three blocks a game. That, that's, those are the people you're talking about. Those are defensive menaces in presence in the paint. So don't try to drive on Duke. Yeah, I do like about Duke is the team, besides their talent, is the height. One of the only players who really you see on the court for Duke, standing guard Jeremy Roke, is the shortest, standing at 6'1". And look at some of these teams, like other guards in, in the NCAA tournament. Doug Eater was shorter. Yeah, but some of these guards that are tall, Jaden Ivey, they're fun to watch. But again, like Remy Martin on Kansas, Jeremy Roach is shorter, but quicker, and he's an amazing defender as well. And what I saw that Duke likes to do in these kind of situations, what I saw that they did, is they put him in at the last minute or two because if they are trying to get fouled, they can't put on the line, they'll put him in to try to run to get open for the inbound, which is smart because of how fast he is. And he's also a very efficient free throw shooter. So when you talk about how he can be an asset. But this Duke offense, watching their highlights from earlier rounds, they love to run pick and rolls, and they love to get find that mismatch on Bancaro. Because you immediately get a guard on Bancaro, it's over. He's taking you to the hoop and scoring a basket. Let's talk about Coach K. If he wants to win the national championship in his final year as a head coach, this team will have to get it done because they seem they're just clicking on all cylinders right now. They have been. Luca, people are going to say if they win it all, it's rigged. No, what do you think about I, that? I don't. It's just because people think it's rigged because it's his final year, he's going to win it. I don't. He is with one of the most talented teams he's ever or ever coached. So this team, to get it done, a lot of people doubted them coming into the tournament, saying they did not have the experience, but they have shut those doubters out. All right, let's move on to the UNC Tar Heels, coming off great wins to get where they are here, including beating the national championship from last year, the Baylor Bears. They're a very good team. They almost sold against Baylor, as you said, but they're a very good team, and they've shown it. They can shoot the ball well. They have one of the, the best players in the nation in Armando, in Armando Baycott. And I think they're a team that, again, has clicked on all cylinders, especially in this tournament. Now let's talk about, like we said before, their height. With Armando Baycott, the season's averaged 16.5 points per game, 1.5 assists per game, 12.8 rebounds per game, 0.8 steals per game, 1.8 blocks per game, and shooting almost 60% from the field, standing at 6'10". And Baycott is their only player in their starting five who doesn't shoot the three ball. He's only shooting about 12% from three, but, I mean, he, he rebounds. He out-rebounded that entire St. Peter's team in the first half. And so, if he can get you second-chance points and you have players like Brady Manick and Caleb Love on the three-point line, they will score. Let's talk about Brady Manick. He's shooting 40% from three along with 15 points per game, six rebounds per game, and two assists per game. Their one-two duo at UNC with their for their bigs is very deadly. But I want to hit on their shortest player, R.J. Davis. He's a team-high one steal per game, so he's their on-ball defender, coming off a four-steal game. But what I was watching is he attacks the hoop. They uh, UNC loves to attack the hoop on offense, and you have your team collapse on them, and then they kick out the three, somebody's open, and a team shooting 
all, four of their five starters shooting 33% or higher from three, they're going to knock down those shots. Now let's bring up one play in particular. It was off an inbound with about 15.30 left in the second half. The ball was inbound to the Baycott. It was one-on-one, so another defender came in and helped. Leaving Brady Manic wide open, Baycott easily found Manic for the three, which they could run versus Duke a lot. I don't know. Duke, Duke it's a much more disciplined team than St. Peter's. They've experienced playing top teams, and they've played UNC twice, but it will definitely be a game to watch. Let's talk about the World Cup qualifying and draw. The U.S. men's national team is headed back to the World Cup after failing to do so for the 2018 World Cup. Luca, they just got... Yeah, they just... They got drawn into Group B. Unfortunately, they did not get drawn into Qatar's group. They got drawn into England's group. England, a very scary team, a very talented team, and a very good team. The other two teams to be drawn into their group is yet to come but i'm happy i have a team to root for obviously with italy not qualifying i have a team to root for and this is only the second time the men's team has qualified for the world cup yes and just news just came in iran is the third team into the u.s drawn group but to hit back on what you said there's they've done this without they've gone through the qualifiers without their star alfonso davies a left back and when alfonso davies found out that Team Canada has qualified for the World Cup. He was brought to tears. So that just shows you what it means for this Canadian team. And their fans have got to be loving what their team has in store. All right, let's do something new. We have a, Let's do an NBA fantasy draft. This is the idea from in the Imagine Sports podcast. But here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to have each a starting lineup of five players. And then we're going to have one six-man. But the six-man can't just be a starting man. He has to actually be a six-man type of player. For example, Tyler Hero, who Luca loves, or like a Kevin Love type of player. Someone that is a six-man, not just a point guard that's starting that we can use on six. But Luca, let's go through. I will let you do your point guard first. For my point guard, I'm going to take, and we're going to do this, everybody's healthy. I'm going to take Stephen Curry. What a good choice there, Luca. Just got the NBA three-point record this past season. I'm probably going to go, I'm going to go Ice Trey. Ice Trey Young, great, great passer. Saw that versus my Cavs last night. But, Luca, let's talk about your shooting guard. Who do you have at the two? I'm going to go with Devin Booker. Devin Booker is playing amazing basketball this year. And part of the reason the Suns were able to keep such a hot record without CP3 was because Devin Booker stepped up, and he was able to be their leading scorer, still is. I'm probably going to go with Donovan Mitchell. With Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, I think we have a pretty good base. But for now, this next pick, I will be going first for my small forward. But I, I, I'm confused. Why, why not take John Morant? Play an unorthodox shooting guard. Play John Morant. Why not? I don't like to sabotage. I'm, I'm going to keep Donovan Mitchell. Okay. For small forward, let me think about this. Oh, uh, I'm probably going to go with LeBron James here. Luca, who do you have? That's a great pick. Obviously, no-brainer LeBron, best player right now. If no injuries, best player like overall. But I'm going to take Kevin Durant. 
I think Kevin Durant, I know I just said LeBron best player, but I think Kevin Durant is the best basketball player in the last two seasons. That's an interesting pick with how hot Jason Tatum is right now, but all skill-wise, Kevin Durant, probably what the best scorer of all time. Now for power forward, I'll pick first this time. I'm probably going to go all healthy. I'll Giannis Antetokounmpo, he, I watched him versus the Nets last night. 40 points, twice back-to-back. I mean, what more can you ask for? He is a beast. Now, Giannis, I think, is playing some of the best basketball we've seen. He had two back-to-back 40-plus a night, got the Bucks a win. Now, my power forward, see, I'm stuck between should I take Jason Tatum or should I go unorthodox and take Joel Embiid and run him at power forward? Luca, we have to keep orthodox positions. I don't think so. I'm taking. I'm gonna go Joel Embiid. I'm gonna run him at my four. I'm gonna take Joel Embiid for my center. I'll probably go with Nikola Jokic. Keep him front runner for MVP right now. Who do you have at your center? I I'm gonna go with Cat. I'm going to take Cat. Won a three-point competition. He can shoot the three ball, and I think him and Joel Embiid could interchange. I think that's a dominant front court. So go over your lineup again. I have Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. Those are your starters. How about your six men? I'm probably going to go... Let's make it Let's make it simple. We'll have to go the same position for six men. Let's do... What do you want to do, point guard or shooting guard? Shooting guard. All right, shooting guard. I'm probably going to go with – I'm going to steal him from you. I know you want – I know you want him, Luca. I'm probably going to go with Tyler Hero. Dude, he's going to win six men of the year. If he doesn't, I'll be surprised. He's leading that Heat team 20 points per game. He's playing out of his mind. But for my six men, you know, I'm going to go – for my sixth man, I'm going to go from the L.A. Clippers, Luke Kennard. We saw in games like against the Wizards, he can light it up from deep especially and just put points on the board, but he won't see the court much in my team. Since you went unorthodox to some positions, I'm going to break the rules a little bit, and I have a sub for my center, Jared Allen. He's a block menace, and he will not score in the paint. You're trading Nikola Jokic, the MVP frontrunner as of— I'm just keeping Jared Allen as a sub. He can be on the bench, but I have an extra bench player. Okay. I still think my team will win. Maybe we could set that up one day. I wish. All right. Now let's talk about WrestleMania. WrestleMania is like a big convention for WWE wrestling— Yes, it is a script and it is fake, but for people who follow it and have their favorite wrestlers, it is a very fun event to go to. It's a professional wrestling event that's live held annually between mid-March and mid-April by WWE. It's the world's largest professional wrestling promotion. Since premiering in 1985, 36 editions followed, most recently in Tampa, Florida on April 10th and 11th in 2021. Now, person to keep your eye out for, I don't really know much about him, but his name is Drew McIntyre. I guess he's the favorite in WWE. I don't really know how it works, but WrestleMania is probably a very cool event to go.
especially for people a bit younger. Like, I watched WWE a lot a few years back, and I have a video game of WWE. It was a lot of fun to watch until you get to the realization that it's it's scripted, but... Hey, they make a lot of money. It's like a TV show, and it's entertaining. It is entertaining, and it's for entertainment pur- purposes only. And when you find that out, it could be a little less addictive to watch. But for people, you know, there's WWE wrestlers, and people can get into it. Now, finally, let's get into our game of the week. I have the Bucks versus Bulls Tuesday night. Both teams coming, playing very well. The Bulls are in a little bit of a slump right now. They just came off a win last night, which was good. But DeMar DeRozan, I don't think he's... He was the MVP frontrunner for a little bit, and that has severed off him. He's still playing well, but he's not even in the top five for MVP candidate right now. But my game of the week, next Saturday, so a little bit more than a week, is the Washington Capitals versus the Pittsburgh Penguins finale of this season caps struggling recently big loss to st louis 5-2 big loss huge loss to carolina one of the worst games ever this season 6-1 and they penguins have been playing very good hockey recently 11-2 victory couple games back but that is always a fun game to watch incredible atmosphere i'm excited it always leads you to the question Crosby or Ovechkin? We have a teacher at our school that is a big Penguins fan, but he is, in fact, wrong. Alex Ovechkin is the better player. It comes down to who you ask. you, you got to go to neutral territory for that. A Pens fan will never say Ovechkin's better than Crosby, and a, a Caps fan will never say Crosby's better than Ovechkin. It's, it's, it's wrong. That has been Zach Green. And Luca DeLosta, thank you for listening.